Welcome to the Trinity Grace Church Tribeca podcast. At Trinity Grace Church, our mission is to help New Yorkers grow in love by practicing the way of Jesus for the good of our city. If you're interested in Trinity Grace Church Tribeca, check out our website at tgctribeca.com where you can learn more about us and learn about ways that you can help support our church and this podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook to see and hear what's going on in our community. Thank you for joining us today and welcome grace and peace to you. from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is the word of the Lord. God, we thank you for the quiet of this chapel in this city right now. And the way that we as a community can gather together and create space to consider things that uh, we might not create space to consider otherwise. And so we pray this would be a really creative, generative moment where new life, new shoots of green and blossom would come forth in our souls as we consider these words, as we consider the reflection offered this morning and our own stories. Give us the grace to make meaningful connections that would impact our lives and would shape us in the way of love. We pray that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we are in a series that is exploring our identity as a church community. And um, if you haven't been here uh, for any of the weeks in January and now we're into February, I just invite you to go back to the podcast and take a listen. We've talked about our why and our what. We've begun exploring our core values. And today we bring an end to the core value exploration with two core values, curiosity and creativity. Um, It was a cloudy day in 1984. Uh, I was being carted around by my grandmother running errands. I was the ripe age of five. I have a five-year-old now, so it's so familiar to me. I was at the grocery store when the world opened to me. I peppered my grandmother with questions about little things, like where food comes from and uh, what it smells like when it's rotten and why things rot anyways. 
Um, I had questions about all sorts of things, milk and butter and bubblegum wrappers and soup cans. And of course, if the world's open to you, a question about a soup can inevitably leads you to the question of ultimate reality, the question of God. And so here I am in the middle of the grocery store, and out of my mouth comes the question, who made God? My grandmother said, no one. And then continued pushing me with one hand steadily in the cart, and sort of like, I remember looking at a coupon as, as like the distance of aged eyes like requires. Um, and then I just simply ask again, well, how did God begin? She said, what do you mean? God has no beginning. I said, how do you know God is real? And she gave some sort of half-hearted answer as she continued strolling me through the aisle. And I just remember the sense of frustration bubbling up in me. She wasn't paying attention to my existential quest. Um, she just shrugged it aside easily. And so in almost a fit of rage, I burst out in the middle of the store, Nana, but how do you know? We were in the middle of the soup aisle. And in that moment, she blurted out with a force that really took me by surprise. And she simply said, I just know, Michael. And in that moment, I was both terrified and incurably lost in wonder. She doesn't know, I thought. And I wonder who does. Now, I often wonder, as I reflect on that experience, whether it's not the worst thing you could possibly say to a child who's questioning God's existence, what she said to me that day. But lately, as I think about it, and I think about how far my eyes would have rolled back in my head if she would have waxed eloquent about some classic uh, proof of God, like the unmoved mover or something like that. And when I consider the way that the sort of insecure heat of her nervous response galvanized my own quest to answer that question, I wonder if it wasn't the best gift that I've ever received. And this morning, I want to explore these two values of curiosity and creativity in the face of energy and postures that would lead us elsewhere. That same nervous energy that was in my grandmother that incited a quest in me, a quest that, I mean, I'm a minister for crying out loud. And I can almost trace it back to that moment. What is the nervous energy in the air today, in this moment? A nervous energy that we must figure out how to rise to meet. And we ask the question as a community, what way of being can rise and meet that energy in a way that feels like good news, that really does contribute to the good of our city and to the good of our world? This morning I'd submit that curiosity and creativity are indispensable for this moment. In a world, and also like in a faith tradition, where um, there's this sense of a gravitational pull towards certainty. We love, to, we love to be certain. We love to have a grasp on things and know that we're right. We unashamedly embrace the value of curiosity. And this morning in a world that's on the other side of the technological revolution, and uh, in a world where we have these compressed narratives we call ads that are occupying brain space almost as native as our own thoughts, and where our, our main engagement is just simply swiping and double tapping a screen, 
I think we need an unrelenting embrace of the value of creativity rather than passive consumption. Curiosity in the face of our addiction to certainty and creativity in the face of our sort of that hard taskmaster of consumption. And that's who we need to become as a community. I want to begin with this thing about this stigma around creativity. Creativity is not just for the artists, it's not just for the poets or the writers, it's for all of us. Creativity is so intimately tied to what it means to love and therefore it's tied to what it means to be human. And that's why it's important for us as a church community. Now I wanna remind you, what is a church community? A church community is just simply a group of people who are wrestling and struggling to become fully human connected to a tradition of stories and rituals and practices rooted in Jesus. And when we consider Jesus, Jesus was deeply curious and he was deeply creative. I want you to think about curiosity just for a moment. We have four stories of Jesus in the Bible, um, four gospels. And in those four gospels, do you know how many questions Jesus asks? Anyone want to take a stab? No? All right. None? I'm hearing whispers. I can't hear the whispers. I'm, talk to me. Let's make this an interactive moment. 280. I like it. Higher. What? 400. Lower. Uh, all right. This, this was not a very good experiment. 307. Jesus asks 307 questions. Do you know how many he answers? Three. Three. So he wasn't, he, he wasn't like the pure avoider of reality. Like he, was, he, would, he would answer sometimes. But for the most, most part, Jesus complicated situations with questions because he knew that easy answers or pad answers would not take us where we needed to go. And Jesus would also leave people frustrated. Just give me the answer. Right? Just tell me what to think. Tell me what to believe. And Jesus rarely did that. Jesus asked and modeled curiosity. He asked all kinds of questions. He asked questions about um, longing. He would say to people, what are you looking for? Or who are you looking for? He asked questions about compassion. In that moment of the critical crowd surrounding a woman stained by an act that would be frowned upon by everyone in their culture, he simply says, do you see this woman? In terms of identity, he asks people, what, what is your name? Or he'll ask, who do you say that I am? In terms of vulnerability, he'll ask questions like, why are you afraid? Or where do you put your trust? In terms of the reach and scope of love, he would tell stories and then he would simply ask, who was the neighbor here? Or what, what good does it do for you if you offer love and you offer gifts to those who can reciprocate? What credit is that to you? In terms of health and desire, he would ask people who were sick, do you want to get well? Or what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Giving them agency and dignity. In terms of abundance, in the face of situations that felt like there was not enough, he would ask questions like, well, how much bread do we have? In terms of abandonment, on the cross at his moment of death, he cries out in a question form, my God, my God, 
why have you forsaken me? And he ultimately asks the ultimate questions of those he loves, of his best friends. He looks them in the eye and he says, do you love me? Jesus asked all kinds of questions. And that's because Jesus met the complexities of life and the human experience, not with platitudes or easy answers like a Bible answer man on the radio. Jesus met people in the challenges of life with really good questions because really good questions illuminate. They send us on a search to wrestle down our ambiguities until we find some moment of illumination, of clarity. And that's because curiosity keeps our connection to limits alive. And it's in the land of limits where we find God. If you're always within your limits, if you're always in the realm of what you know and what you're comfortable with, if you're always in the realm of your understandings, you will never forge into the wild and beautiful terrain of divine experience. In the face of our chasms, right now, like the nervous energy I think we feel is part of like we don't know what to do with each other. And in the face of chasms like our political affiliations or our cultural experiences or our racial dynamics or our theological quibbles or even our ethical disagreements, curiosity builds a bridge. Curiosity asks questions and moves toward the one that you disagree with or that you don't understand fully. Whereas certainty, which we all like love at some level and, and often are addicted to, builds a wall and just says, I, I don't want to go there. It's too much energy. It's too difficult. I'm just going to stay here. I think the temptation is to say, I'll move toward you where I have overlap, but where I don't have overlap, I'm, I'm just, I'm fine where I am. And we have to be a church, I think, in this moment that embraces curiosity and builds those bridges to the other side. And we, we become the kind of people that nourishes that way to imagine the world, that way to deal with our differences and our disagreements. Now listen, I'm all about understandings. You have to have them. They're so important. I'm not against it, all right? I don't think this is like a total free-for-all where you can't know anything. But our understandings are only helpful in as much as they help us survive. Like, our understandings do help us survive, but then our understandings also threaten our survival. And they threaten our survival when our understandings calcify, when they cease to become living documents that are updated through experience. They threaten us when we don't see our understandings as what they really are, which is provisional. There's always room to learn more. We're often misguided in what we understand. The brain's ability to tell a story and to create connections and to reinforce those connections is a powerful thing. It's like one of our greatest strengths. It's our superpower as a species. And yet, it also casts a long shadow. The stories that we tell ourselves about God, the stories we tell ourselves about life and about each other and ourselves, the stories we tell each other about strangers and enemies, these stories matter. It's important for us through curiosity to open up beyond our understandings to further explorations, to further insights, to be able to have an aha moment, to include our understandings, but to be able to transcend them. 
Jesus did this all the time. Jesus was confronted. He had, he had this practice of Sabbath that was weighing heavy on the people. It was such a burden. There were so many rules upon rules upon rules around how to practice it. And Jesus looked at the whole thing and said, he questioned it. He said, wait a minute, this, wasn't this designed for us to be like a benefit to shoot us with life and to help us rest and rejuvenate and reconnect with the beauty and wonder of life? How has this thing become a burden? Jesus questioned when it came to the temple system, he looked at it and he saw how the poor were being exploited and how there was greed and corruption at the center, and he questioned it. He looked at the, the sort of ethical emphasis of his time that was focused on all these external behaviors and it ignored largely the, the, the really strong current of the human heart and how stuff originates there, and he questioned it. Jesus continually questioned the political authorities, the religious authorities, because he was not only curious, but he, had, he let his experience take him into questions that led to justice and to social change. Jesus said, you'll do even greater things to me than me, to his disciples. And I want you to imagine, where would we be if we didn't have that seed of curiosity planted in this community that we call the church? Where would we be? When it comes to slavery, where would we be when it comes to the role of women? Where would we be when it comes to a whole host of, of considerations that we have on our table now in the 21st century? It's so important for us to keep this value of curiosity alive and burning at the center, or else we just become dead religion, become dead politics, we become dead people. Because death is about separation and guardedness and being closed off. Life is about opening up. Life is about connection. And life is about endurance. Without curiosity, we don't seek. And seeking is at the heart of the spiritual quest. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Because curiosity is indispensable. Now, how does this play out for us? As a community, curiosity is important in a lot of ways. It's important in our conflict. And believe me, we, we've existed for how many years? Seven years as a church, almost going on our eighth year. And conflicts are inevitable because we're human. And we bring our understandings and our experiences and our stories to this community. And because of those experiences and stories, we're, uh, we rub the wrong way occasionally by each other. Old wounds are pricked, new wounds are created. And when we're in the heat of conflict and hurt, how will we respond? Is it possible for us to get curious and ask more questions? Is it possible for us to, to transcend ways of conflict where we get stalemated and it seems like a zero-sum game and think, like, uh, try to find a third way to deal with this stuff? When it comes to relationships, I've been married uh, for quite a long time. And that's code for, I can't remember on the spot exactly how long. Um, it's been a long time. And uh, it's like less than 20 years, but it's more than 15. Um, it's 17, guys. Chill out. Um, I just, I needed some stall time to remember. But here we are at 17 years, and uh, Kindy's the person I know best. And she's one of the people I've known the longest. 
And still to this day, our relationship is most alive when I'm connected to the sense that there are pools that I have not explored. That was not a great metaphor. There are, there are, there are places, <laughs> this is not going to be good. <laughs> there are things I don't know about her, and I want to learn more, Okay. And there's this beautiful quote by Benjamin Myers that sort of puts the finger on what do we do with difference and what do we do with the familiar? And how does curiosity help us at that point? He says differences should be accentuated as sharply as possible so that what you experience in another person is not fantasy. It's not another deceptive projection of yourself. But it's the real intractable mystery of another self. How much of our lives is wasted because in our relationships are wasted? Because we simply project our own ideas about people onto them, even the ones we love and know dearly. We don't give them the space to update our understanding, to update our experience. Doesn't that space feel like good news to you? What if when you were confronted with someone that you disagreed with, you got curious. What if you were confronted with an old familiar person and you just found new questions to open up new places in the relationship? The church will become stale and it will ultimately die if we don't have curiosity as a core value. Our relationship to God, our relationship to ourselves, our relationships to each other and to our neighbors and to our enemies. If we can't be curious, we can't live out the mission of love because love requires curiosity. I just caught the wife of, or the eyes of my wife. Is it 17 years? Yeah, I think so. See now. Oh, exhale. We think so. Now, when it comes to creativity, creativity is also essential. And it's a nice pairing to curiosity because creativity is not, as I said, for the artists and the writers and the poets and the musicians. Creativity is what it means to be human. And in our story, God is a creator at, its heart, at God's heart. God brings newness into existence, and this was not an uncostly gift. Our story tells us God, as we said last week, is this, gives this almost exhausting goodness, creates it, and then rests. God creates room and space for we who have been created to enjoy this love which has always existed. And for us... As creative people to bear the image of God, our story says we reflect God when we are creative. And I want you to think of creativity not just as like writing a story or creating a piece of art. Creativity is its core as a way of seeing and it's a way of being. It's a way of seeing in the sense that you notice patterns and you make connections and then you use those connections and those patterns to forge something new in the world. Creativity is, is often, it's not the kind of thing you have to force. It's, it's also not the kind of thing I can teach you. Um, I had someone this week tell me, you know, creativity is the, one of those things. He said, it's a word I don't like anymore because it almost means nothing. People use it so flippantly. But creativity is not the kind of thing you can accomplish by aiming at creativity. Creativity is the kind of thing that emerges, emerges when we're faced with a problem or a challenge. You just watch a human deal with a problem or a challenge. And when you deal with a problem or a challenge, 
we usually go one of two ways. One's rooted in fear, the other one's rooted in courage and love. And it takes risks. Fear shrinks back, forges the walls, tries to protect, doesn't go into unexplored territory, and tries to just simply copy and paste what's worked in the past. Creativity is willing to look at the situation from another angle, almost from a side, like you would turn a diamond and say, well, how could we see this differently? What are we missing here? Whose voice are we not considering? And then we make space. Creativity at its heart begins with receptivity. It begins with opening the heart and just observing. I had a friend who's a story, he's, he's a writer, he's a storyteller, and he said, the way that I do this is I sit down and I just try to shut everything off. He's like, I don't sit there and try to generate something. I shut everything off. And it's this crazy amount of focus to just say, I, I want to create space. And then he says, things just emerge. And I wonder what that would look like for us as a church. I wonder what that would look like relationally. Again, in our conflicts. Again, with our differences. Jesus was so creative in how Jesus responded. Jesus would tell stories, little short stories, and they're stories that would live with people for years and years doing their work. And those stories didn't start with Jesus like really, really working hard with like, you know, his parchment and his quill or whatever they wrote with back then. Jesus would just be observing life, walking through a field, noticing the flowers, and connections start firing. The synapses are at work. And then he could say to people, you know, consider the lilies of the field or consider the birds of the air. And he would be able to speak to worry and the human anxiety from that place of simply observing. How can you create space to observe, to see what's in front of you and to allow connections to be made so that you can birth the newness in this world that the world needs that only you can offer? What we do in conflict as we end up copying and pasting what we've seen work in the past. And if Jesus would have done that, we wouldn't have what we call the church today. You remember when that same woman that I told you about who was brought into the critical crowd because she committed adultery? And the crowd's trying to trap Jesus and they basically say, hey, we know what Moses taught about what we should do about this. What do you say? What does Jesus do? That's a high pressure, high stakes moment. All right, think in your work. Those moments that are high pressure, high stakes. Think in your life, those moments, high pressure, high stakes. How do you respond? Well, what does Jesus do? Jesus kneels down and he starts just scribbling in the dust. I love that so much. Jesus just, just, just reflects. He takes a moment to just consider the moment. And I wonder what that would look like for us to embrace this value of creativity by creating space to consider our high-stakes moments afresh and to ask for divine guidance. We don't know what Jesus was drawing. We don't know exactly what he was thinking, but we do know what came out of his mouth next. He asked a question. <laughs> he said, who here is without sin? You can cast the first stone. And as a result of that creative act, in a high-stakes moment, the people walked away with their stones and the woman walked away with her life. And Jesus does this over and over again. As a church, how will that look for us? In your place of work, as you try to follow the way of Jesus, you try to make rich and meaningful connections. I wonder if some of you haven't made the connections that you need to make between your faith and your work and your relationship with God and your spirituality and what you do 
the majority of your day because you haven't just stopped to consider and scribble in the dust and say, what do I do with this? Not to generate it and have all this pressure, but to let it come. All the great artists say that's what creativity is at its core. It's almost like it comes through me. Most great artists say, I don't even know if I could take credit for this. It's just like it came to me and it flowed out of me. And that's one of the mysteries of creativity. It's one of the beauties of a spirituality of creativity. that We can create space of openness to God and let things download that we can be stewards of in this world. And so when we come together and we worship, we're constantly taking our tradition and our rituals and our songs and our practices, and then we're tweaking and we're reflecting and saying, well, what, what would this look like now? How, how could this table have new resonance now? How could this moment of opening a sacred text, an ancient text, and talking about it, how could that look different? How could that resonate now? We have a connection to the past, but we're always creatively looking to the future and shifting the present. And we need you to be able to do that. We need your feedback. We need your ideas. One of the beautiful things about this community, and it's what animated me to come to New York in the first place, is I'm interested in what spirituality uh, will look like in the 21st century. And I don't know that there are enough communities that really have been deputized to go out there and figure it out. So many communities are calcified. So many communities are like in a, in a dead copy and paste relationship with the past. And they're afraid to step into the future with curiosity and creativity and wonder and yet reverence for that past. And I think one of the great, great gifts we can be as a community is in this city to bring our questions and our uh, curiosities and our anxieties and to really wrestle with them together and, and debate and to, to try stuff and then to, to offer it to the greater church and to the, and to the world at large as a feedback loop. To say, here's where things could be headed. And that's one of the reasons that curiosity and creativity will always be at our core. I like that we create songs. Most of the songs we sing, we created. And by we, I mean David. A lot of the prayers we write are written by you week after week. I mean, we, we take old forms of prayers as well. The ones that we find beautiful and have test, stood the test of time. But we're always infusing it with now and, and this moment and our own stories and our own lives. It's that blend of the old and the new and that creative appropriation that we're about. And we need your voice and your energy toward that. If we're going to have an impact in this world, you've got to make those connections. You've got to create space for it. And our mission as a church is to help you do that. And so I invite you this week to consider how can you create space for curiosity and creativity in your relationships, in your conflict, at your work? How can you do that with your sense of who's your enemy right now or the stranger of your life? And what would God's spirit be able to do when we have those open hearts and we hold those core values? Amen.